This episode of Behind the Bliss is made possible by our generous donors. If you love our show and would love to join our patrons, head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com and click Give. Or head to www.patreon.com forward slash Behind the Bliss. Thanks! Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Mary Scott Mercer and Rachel Autry bring weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I'm sitting down with a new friend, Hannah Brincher. We work through this idea of depression. It's a highly requested topic for the podcast, and I can't wait to bring you Hannah and her story that she's so equipped to share. Hannah is the author of Come Matter Here, your invitation to be here in a getting there world. She's a TED Talk speaker, and she started a movement on accident by writing love letters to strangers. Yeah, we talk about it all. We chat about how to gain power over depression, what it looks like to healthily come to terms with a season of depression, what are your next steps, and our own personal stories with how depression has touched our lives. When we talk through today's episode, we talk through some pretty heavy topics like suicide, depression, and mental health, and other things that you should be aware of before continuing to listen. If this is a season you're walking through yourself, just know that you matter. Know that we love you so dearly and that we're so excited to share this message with you today. So without further ado, here is Hannah Brincher. Hey, Hannah. Hey, thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you and all the things that you have to share today. I feel like I've I've followed you on Instagram and have read your book and have seen your TED Talk and I'm like, gosh, she's got some fire things to say. So we're so excited to have it recorded for our friends that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone that doesn't know Hannah, could you give us a small little spark notes version of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am a writer and author. I've written two books. Uh, The first one is called If You Find This Letter. And the second book is called Come Matter Here. I've been blogging for about 10 years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, it's been that long, but you're one of the OG bloggers. I'm a, yes, I'm an OG blogger yes. and proud of it. And yes. I always said, I was like, okay, if I ever get to the point where I'm not doing anything on the internet, like I will, like the last thing that I will stop doing is blogging. I like made that promise to myself because I know a lot of people like have trickled out or stopped blogging. And I'm like, this was the thing that made it all happen. So like, this is the thing I have to contribute to. So yeah. Um, yeah, and I also run a company called More Love Letters. And so we are a global organization that uses the behind the power behind social media to write and mail love letters to strangers in need all over the world. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a cool company. It's really cool that people can get involved from all over the world. They can go on, they can read stories of people that are getting love letters that month, and then they get the chance to hand write a letter and submit it. So I, yeah, I'm writing throughout the day and creating things throughout the day. And then I also live in Atlanta and I got married a little over two years ago. Mm -hmm. And yeah. (laughs) 
That is so fun. Okay, Atlanta is a blast. My brother's about to move there, and I have a few friends that live there. And you can find anything you want to do in Atlanta. Yes. It is yes, I the agree. metro of all metros. I love it. Well, and I, I had lived in New York City and wanted to live in a city. And um, Atlanta has just, I think, been for me what what I wanted New York City to feel like. You know, when you're like, oh, I think I'll be like, I thought I was going to live in New York City for life. And then I realized it wasn't the city for me. But Atlanta just fills all the all the needs that I have, I feel like. Yeah, all the voids, but all without the, yeah. the New York-y chaos. Chaos. Yeah. Yes. Totally. I get that. Um, okay, so for the people that might not know about the letter writing and all that entails, I want you to share how this was birthed. And this is something that I feel like I watched one of your TED Talks. Forgive me, I forget the name of it. But it was the one where you were speaking about these love letters mm-hmm. that you were writing. And it was also something that you were doing yourself at the time. Or is that how it started? Yeah. But I kind of want, yeah, how was that birthed? Why did you feel moved? And what have been some really cool stories to come from it? Yeah, so I always say that it was the like the best accident that ever happened to me. I didn't yes, plan yes. for this to happen at all. But so when I moved to New York City right after college, I found myself really grappling with depression. I didn't know it was depression at the time. And I think like for as far as we've come in the last few years talking about mental illness, like back when I graduated from college, it just was like not talked about and not discussed. Yeah. And so in order to cope with that depression, I was writing letters to strangers that I would see on the subways and in different parts of New York City and then leaving those letters behind for people. So I didn't think that anyone would ever know that I was the one doing it. I think it was just kind of like my way of coping and dealing. And yeah. um, on my blog, that was like a very small blog at the time, I ended up writing a blog post just about how I was leaving these letters. And I basically said that if you needed a letter, I would write to you. And I really thought that meant like, I would write a few letters, and then it would be over. But that <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, yeah. that <laughs> post went semi viral. I spent the next nine months writing about 400 letters to strangers in need all over the world. And that became incredible. The foundation for what ended up being more love letters was really that even though I kind of looked at the story and was like, okay, this has been a great story. It almost was like the story hadn't fully started until I invited other people into it. And so I just built a organization to allow people to step in and do what I had done and what had helped me so much at a time in need. Wow. That's incredible. What do you feel like letters are written about the most, like topic-wise? What do you feel like people are wanting to hear or a love letter that they're needing at the moment topic wise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so like, it's what you would expect of like a lot of people that are dealing with loneliness or depression or anxiety. I feel like those are the common themes that keep coming up. Um, But we also we see a lot of like loss of loved ones and illnesses. And I mean, if you go through like the nominations form on any given day, you're just like, shocked and surprised and almost like just flabbergasted that like 
people deal with such hard stuff, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for a while that really got to me and I had to kind of step back and say, okay, but like, at least we are doing something, you know, like we're trying to bring a little bit of good to this right. situation and this hard situation. But yeah, I would say a lot of it, especially if it's like younger people, it's a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression. I feel like if I were in that situation, in your, in your shoes specifically, I would take on this mentality of hero and being like, I just want to fix the problem. Like writing a love letter is amazing and I love it, but do you ever feel responsible? <laughs> I feel like I would feel so responsible of like reading, like you're saying, reading it and being like, oh, I wish there was more I could do, you know? And like, I can't believe people go through this heartache. How do you feel like you yeah. bring yourself back to a, but God place? I think that I've just had to do that over and over and over again throughout the years. Um, there was a time where I felt like this was the stuff that kept me up at night. Like I was just very emotional about all of the different requests and wanting to, like you said, be a hero. And I've just had to realize like that's that's not my role to play in the story. Uh, you do for one what you wish that you could do for all, but at the end of the day, like when I close the computer, when I walk away, I have to just let it go and give it to God. And, you know, like trust that if our paths were meant to cross then our paths would cross, but like, I'm not meant to just shoulder this. It's, I, I would think that that would be me carrying burdens. I was never meant to carry. Yes. Girl preach. It's like, you're, yeah. <laughs> you bring your friend to the sick. You don't, necessarily have to heal the sick for it to be all over you just have to carry them to a place where they could be healed you know exactly and, yeah oh. and also having to understand this has been like a lesson I've really had to learn especially with the internet is that I mean sometimes people will just send these really sad hard emails and you kind of you feel guilty if you can't respond. And, and in some ways, I actually think in some ways I advise people, like there are some emails that you shouldn't respond to, that you shouldn't step into that situation. Boundaries. Yeah. And you just have boundaries. Yes. You have to trust that that person has someone to reach out to in their own life that isn't you. Because at the end of the day, I'm just somebody behind a screen and like, I would love to show up and and help you and and walk with you, but I know my place and I know that that's rarely the place that I'm going to get to be in from running this organization. Like I have my own friends and family members going through things. And so that I always try to tell people as much as I possibly can when it's possible, like, hey, like you need to tell somebody in your life about this because if you're just sending it to the email address of somebody you don't know and you've never met, like it's not really dealing with yeah. it. Yeah, it's like a you're almost like a venting place rather than a, a potential solution or a place just of some small affirmation, you know? And it can get dangerous. Yes, and I used to get like so tied up in that. I mean, like, I remember years ago, a girl that like emailed and was like, I don't see the point anymore. Like, I just don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna stay in this lifetime. Like it was basically a suicide note. And I spent hours looking for her found her on Facebook messaging her and like she was like I'm so surprised you reached oh, out to me and I'm like they just want to be known you know they, I think a lot of it's a cry yeah. for help and what you do is incredible for two reasons one you're answering their cry and you say I hear you yeah but you also are like I hear your cry but so does God like there's so much more than that can be given to you or that can be spoken into than just me you know and 
totally. Yep. It's not about what I can do for you, but I'll help my hardest I can, you know, mm-hmm. and that's stewarding it well. What, at what point of your life did you feel like you identified that you were in a place of depression? Like you said, you kind of, you would never really known, but then you had an idea. What was kind of like that light bulb click of, wait a second, I think this is depression. I would say, I honestly don't feel I actually, um, identified with the depression and accepted it for what it was until the second time that I went through depression. Um, The first time I think I, well, I was misinformed. I thought depression was something you just dealt with Mm -hmm. once. Like I never knew it was something that could come back again. And so even when I gave that TED talk and I talked openly about depression, I don't think I fully knew that like, A, that talk was going to be shown to millions of people or B, that like I would become, (laughs) yes, or I would become like this expert source on depression, you know, like I just, I didn't know what was coming with that. And then it was the second time in 2014 that I, the depression came back and it came back, I feel like a thousand times worse than the first time that I really was like, okay, this this is my battle. This may be what God has me walk through for the rest of my life. This may be the thing that I always deal with and grapple with. And that's when I really started to like, I think, own my mental health journey and my advocacy, so yeah, to speak. I love it. I feel like there, there's a lot of misconception or um, – yeah, like what you said, misinformation of either you hear it in your family or maybe you hear it in school or maybe it's just a conversation with friends and you just feel misinformed. So it's hard to identify depression for what it is, you know? And yeah, I remember I was at a camp one time and I was around, I was traveling to this camp with a different high school. So not my friends, different people. Mm-hmm. And I had just gone through some really hard things in my life and I was talking to someone. I said, I'm reading this book it sounds really depressing, but like, I'm not depressed. Almost like my heart knew I was slipping into this place, but I didn't want, mm. I had this like shame about it. I didn't want to admit I maybe actually was. Yeah. And I remember this one leader, this one counselor was like, and if you are, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And it released so much freedom. Like, oh, it's all right. It's all right. Like not to stay there, but to identify it, you mean? Like, okay, we can start walking through this. And it that was my clicking point of like, yes. you know what? Maybe it is okay that I can identify it. Not okay that I am depressed, but like, because you can get out of that space in a lot of different ways and find freedom from it. I pray, you know, like there is healing in that, but Mm -hmm. identifying it and saying that that's a part of where you are in life right now is okay and celebrated because that's really the first step of walking out of it. Oh, because until you give it a name or until you can kind of put your, like, set your feet on a place on the map, it's really, I feel like confusing or what's wrong with me or what's going on, you know? Um, even just like recently, um, Lane, my husband Lane, uh, he had this book, uh, that is called the mindful way through depression. And he had asked me like, Oh, I like, I want you to read this book. Like I want both of us to read this. And as I was reading it, I just remember so clearly like sitting in bed reading with him and it was like right before I got on a flight to go to a speaking engagement. And I was like reading the symptoms of depression and it was like almost this moment of like, oh wait, this is right now. Like this is happening right now. I feel all of these symptoms. Like I didn't even realize that I was back in the space again. Now it didn't look how it had looked in the past, but 
it was almost like this moment of clarity that I was like, wait a minute, like, yeah, like I've slowed down. I'm not happy. Like I'm really sad right now. And it was almost like it instantly started to get better and it started to push me into a new journey because I was able to identify it. I was able to say, okay, like, yes, this is happening right now. And that means we can work with it, you know? And it's until you can identify that and just give it a name. I think sometimes you're just thinking like, what's wrong with me? You're like, why is this happening? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, I also felt like it was such a tool of the enemy. Yeah. He uses confusion in my life Mm. and lack of clarity is like his, that's how he gets me. And now I know it and I know it. And I'm like, try it again next time. But for a long time, I didn't know that depression was depression. So it left me confused, which left me staying where I was and I wasn't making progress or asking for help because I didn't, I didn't have the diagnosis. I didn't know the answer. And yeah. And that confusion led to loneliness and loneliness caused more depression and it was a spiral. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I feel like, yeah, clarity is what the Lord wants to bring us. Right. And confusion is what Satan tempts us with is he's like, yeah, but is it really depression? Maybe you're just sad. Don't ask for help. You'll be okay. And the Lord's like, yeah, ask me for help. I want to step in and I I've got you, please listen. And yeah, I mean, diagnosis, clarity, identification, whatever you want to call it is necessary. And I think telling someone totally, I could not agree with you more. And surprisingly, if you tell someone, most likely they will know someone that also is in that place or they're in that place with you as well, or have been there before. Oh, you realize I'm not lonely. I'm not alone. I, I think that's something you see through all these letters is, I mean, if you say anxiety and depression and just loneliness is reoccurring, like, hello, people. Like, you're not alone. You know, yeah. there's so many other people in that same place. And there's hope and healing. So I, I don't know. I, can, I need to stop preaching. No, no, no. <laughs> it's good. Go. Go for it. I just feel like there's people listening that I don't I have a sense that people are figuring it out. Like, that's what this is. That's where, that's where I am. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. Like, none. Yeah. There's, I think that that can be the sometimes I think mental illness can carry a stigma obviously and I just after what I've walked through I'm like no 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 no. like there isn't like if anybody is heaping shame on you like like shame on them you know like it's not you're not defunct you're not uh, broken you're not like yeah I just think that it's something and I that's why I'm very careful with language, like the way that I talk about depression for a long time, I would say I'm suffering from depression or I struggle with depression. And I just, I had to stop. And so now I say, I I think the most dramatic term I would use is that I grapple with depression. But most of the times I say I I'm handling depression. I'm dealing with depression because at the end of the day, the depression is not my identity. And me having depression is just an indicator that the Lord knows that I am capable of being in this depression and having this unfinished story. And I will tell you that like the depression as hard as it is some days and um, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but at the same time, it opens up the door to vulnerable, real conversations that would not be there without that depression. And so I welcome it. I welcome it if it is going to be the limp for the rest of my life, if it's going to be my battle. But I like to say I deal with or I handle because I think that depression on a daily basis is like you have to have a battle plan. That's what it is. And 
if you're falling into a pit or you are going back to that dark space, that usually means for me, that's an indicator that one of the parts of my battle plan is off and I need to go back and I need to revisit and I need to suit up and keep going. I love it. Suit up and keep going. It's like, it's a fighter, you know? It's a fight, yes. And you put your place in the position of, I struggle with or I suffer with. You just gave depression the victory. Yes. Because you don't struggle with it. You don't suffer from it. Like, you have overcome it. You just not have to convince your heart and your mind that you have, you know? And words have so much power. The amount of times I feel like we just, like, within our culture, lie down to it or, like, think, okay, like, well, I just won't get out of bed today. And like, okay, you know what? There may be a time from time to time where you don't get out of bed, but I wouldn't recommend it. I would tell you to do the exact opposite of what your depression is telling you to do as hard as that may be. Because like at the end of the day, like this is still your life and it's so short. Like my, my pastor was saying just the other day, like we really like our life is like 30 minutes when you think about it. And if you like die at 30, it's basically 15 minutes. And it's such a short blip of time. And it's so precious that we have to show up and we have to fight. Like what else is there? You know, I think that it's like this reality that shows up when you reach adulthood and you're like, wait a minute, like all the good stuff is mingled in with all this hard stuff. And so like, I'm not going to get the good without the hard. It's very rare that that's going to happen. And so I just need to figure out how to like make it all work, you know? Or would you even know good if you didn't go through hard? Like if everything was good, that good would be your normal and you wouldn't appreciate it. Yeah, you would never know. You would never feel the sweetness of like rescue, joy, enjoy, rescue. Yes, totally. Yeah. Is it weird if I read something from your book? Does that make you uncomfortable? Oh, go for it. <laughs> okay. Go for it. Some people are like, oh my gosh, it's like playing a video of me singing. I can't. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm good. Uh-huh. Okay. For people that want a little tidbit, you said, um, while I don't hope that something comes along to break your heart, I know it inevitably will. And so when the hmm. storm hits and the darkness tries to win, I hope you remember that your spirit is made of something thick and durable. You're a fighter, and no one gets to take that away from you. The darkness does not get to have you. I hope you never get too scared to speak out your story. Your story isn't a burden. It's a healing balm, and may God use it to fix and restore, encourage, and revive. And I feel like if someone's stuck in that place of silence or quote-unquote suffering, it doesn't give you the place to get out of your corner and go get someone out of theirs too and start dancing, you know, and that sounds so cliche, but like, you're the only one keeping you in this box. Yeah. I've heard someone say it before. It's like being in a jail cell, but the door is open and you're choosing not to get get out of it. Mm, Yeah, totally. And that picture just moves me of like, we have freedom, you know? Well, I mean, I always think about like, cause, and I also like, I feel like depression and, and when it first hits or when you first start walking through it, it can be very jarring and it can be very scary. But I always think back to like the, um, when the Israelites were in Babylon and they were in exile. And there is a part in the story though, where King Cyrus gives a decree and basically says, y'all can go home now. Like you can go back to your land. And it says right there in the text that like, some made the journey back and some didn't. Some just chose not to leave. And I think if we aren't careful, we can be those people that say, you know what, like, I'm too afraid of what would happen next. So I'm just going to stay here in this space that at least is familiar to me. 
And I, I feel like I have to fight that all the time, especially with, you know, my thought process. Um, they say like in this book that I'm reading right now, that if you've been through depression and like you kind of know the way into depression, it just becomes more and more likely that your brain will just go to that space. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of have to rewire your brain. And I feel like it's the same thing of like, my thoughts could easily turn to negative thoughts, but I get a choice every single day, like every single day, I have to ask myself, okay, is the gospel good news for me? And if it's good news, I need to act like it's good news. I need to believe and stand out of that. That's so good. Yeah, I'm with you. It's tough. I won't say it's easy. And every day you kind of want to give up. But at the same time, it's like, well, what else is there? Yeah, yeah. So um, my husband and I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and we go to Church of the Highlands. And um, Pastor Chris, our pastor, just said, stop settling for less than what he paid mm, for. And so if he good. paid for joy and he paid for victory, and he is victory and joy, then, like, we need to lean into that. And yeah. um, I just, yes, oh, I'm loving where <laughs> this is going. <laughs> um, and I hope people are finding freedom from it, for sure. Um, I was going to talk about when, when you were speaking about the Israelites and staying and like getting so stuck then that's like all you know and I think like I said earlier words have so much power and I heard in um Jamie Ivey's podcast the happy hour she had on Jess Connolly Mm -hmm. and Jess said she some days will stand in front of her mirror and raise her hands and say I take myself out of the race for fill in the blank or just like speak affirmation over herself and sometimes speaking it out loud it sounds so silly and feels so silly but it's so powerful for me because I feel like then the enemy's like oh, crap, <laughs> she figured it out, you know, and yes. moving on to the next one. And just, I guess having the having the power over your body to move your muscles in your mouth to declare something that's truth is going to do something for your heart that staying silent would never. So I almost encourage you all and encourage myself to just stand in front of your mirror after listening to this episode, after we record, Hannah, <laughs> and just stand there and be like, no, I declare victory over my body, over my health, over my mind, over my marriage, over whatever, and speak it into what it's supposed to be and what Jesus died for it to be is, gosh, like life-changing. Yeah, because me, I feel like for me, I'm like, if, if I thank the enemy for what he's doing, like he is not going to want to do that anymore. He doesn't want me to thank him and say, you know, thanks for reminding me of that. Because I, I 100% believe that like, if there is a lie that you're believing, chances are that the opposite is true or that God wants to make the opposite true, you know? And so I think sometimes we really do have to pay attention to like what we're hearing and like what Satan is trying to tell us, because it's usually a pretty good indicator of the opposite. And I'm like, well, if I'm thanking him, he's going to stop pretty quickly because he's going to be like, well, no, I don't want this to multiply and actually be a good thing. <laughs> Tenfold. Ooh, I hate that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay, so what what do you feel like you are just so pumped about in life right now? Um. Oh, that's a great question. What am I pumped about in life? Speaking of speaking about things and positivity thinking. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm just pumped, I think in general, just about like it being a new season and springtime and my husband and I moved into a new house in December. And so this is the first time that it's like we have a spring season where it's like we have 
a yard and we have a backyard and like it just it's going to be a really great I think season of just like sitting on the porch and enjoying the sunshine and extra vitamin D love it do you travel often for speaking I travel um, usually every like two weeks or so so I get little breaks but um, and I like traveling I love meeting new people and getting to go and and it's an honor to do what I do, but I am definitely a homebody for sure. Yeah, I bet, especially with this new home. You're like, I don't want to leave. Yeah, I'm like, I never want to leave. <laughs> yeah, this is my space. I know, that's how I feel too. We just moved into a house and I'm like finally getting it to a place of livable. Like we were oh, the people yeah. that stashed boxes in like one room for forever until we finally, uh-huh. like, I think I need an office. Let's actually clean out this space now. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Um, But yeah, I... Being home and wanting to be a homebody and being an author fits well together. So you yes, get to it does. It do definitely it. does. Um, okay, tell us a little bit about your second book, Come Matter Here, because um, I feel like it speaks a lot into what we're talking about right now. And so maybe if someone's identifying really well with the conversation, I think it might be a really cool thing to go pick up next time they're out or to go ahead and order to read more about it. But I, I kind of want you to share your heart behind the book and what led you to write it and what your favorite parts are about it and what it's done. Yeah. So a lot of what I think we've talked about and touched on, especially mental illness, it's touched and come matter here. And so um, I always feel like the subtitle of the book explains it perfectly. Um, your invitation to be here and a getting their world. And that's really kind of just the, the premise and the, the story that I feel like I had to go on a journey to get to of stop living in this place of if I just get there, then life will start. And if I just do this, and life is going to start and just start to learn to be where your feet are and to plant roots and all the things that come with planting roots. And so yeah, it's just it, there was a loose storyline of moving to Atlanta, packing up my life and just moving on a whim and thinking if I just moved to a new place, all the things would just fall into place. And that's LOL. Not, not <laughs> true. Yeah. No, 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 no. I learned quickly. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay. I, yeah. I feel like writing from a place where you're feeling a lot of things is so cool. And that's what I, I just feel like that book was so raw. You didn't yeah, it, yes. cut corners. You didn't smooth any edges. You just were like, you know what? Put it between a book bind and here you go. Oh, I love love that. that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really That's how I try to write everything that I put out there is that I just, I don't know, I've been blessed with like the gift of like not having shame or, you know, like no shame in my process. And so I just, I want people to know they're not alone. They're not like, if you're feeling this, you're not the only one who's ever felt this way. Yeah. Come before the throne confidently. Yeah. Scripture tells us to do like in all my mess and all my dry shampoo. Here you go, Lord. You got it all. It's legit. It's just what it's about. Oh, my goodness. For Let's say someone shares a story with you. I'm just so interested in this process. Yeah. Someone shares a story um, and kind of like a narrative, and they are expecting a letter. How do you kind of process it? Do you pray through it? Do you say, okay, Lord, what do you have to say to them? Is it like prophetic-y or what? What are those letters like? Because I've never gotten one. I want to know. Yeah. So I, I mean, we will read through the stories every month and, and my team picks out what they think are like the best, most diverse stories, because I think 
you know, reading through the stories, one story might not apply to you, but another one might. And people feel intimidated to write to a story they don't know anything about. Um, but I imagine everybody's process is is really different about how they arrive at the right words. Um, I think the cool thing is that More Love Letters has never really been religiously affiliated. And so we yeah, have that's cool. believers, non-believers. And for me, it was always like, okay, well, like this would be the truest embodiment of the gospel to me is that you wouldn't ever have to pay for this. This would be completely free. And that would make someone like me wonder like, well, what is behind all of this, you know? And, and it's really just, it's just love. It's just pure old fashioned love. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I don't, I wish I was like maybe more spiritual with my letter writing, but I just no. kind of think about what would some, what would I need to hear? And usually the words that I am feeling on that particular day, chances are that's something somebody else is going to need to know just as much. Yeah. Well, Jesus didn't speak super spiritually either. So if we're supposed to follow him, let's just put it in plain terms, you know, or analogies. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Um, Yeah, gosh, that's so cool. If someone wanted to submit their story, what's the best way to do it? Just go online and submit their story and... Yep. If you go to moreloveletters.com, you'll see the the tab for letter requests and it will lead you to a form where you can nominate somebody. It's easy. Yes. Just get to, it's yeah. very easy. We, we couldn't that. have made it easier. You try to make it easy. I love it. Like not yeah. super exclusive, just everybody, one come all. Yeah, which is, but it's also cool, I think too, because it's very easy, but at the same time, like people are not, people are not deterred by like going to the post office to get stamps or like going out and buying stationery. And you would think like, oh, if, if there's that many levels like I'm not gonna do it but I think people are hungry to do something that's like tangible yeah I yeah that's me I'm like little effort yeah I like that (laughs) a lot (laughs) like having to go out of my way but still being able to touch someone's life and do something like that so interested okay definitely want people to know all about it where do you hope this to go do you still want it to just be like an organization and what it is do you have fun dreams and vision ideas for this Well, I mean, I've never been, I've always been really careful to not, um, to not basically dictate the direction of where it's going to go. Um, We are right now in a season though of like bringing several new team members onto the team and specifically trying to work and figure out how we can do what we would call a community chapter. So we, we love that people can come online and get these letter requests at any time, but we've also seen just some really beautiful community pop out of people meeting in their towns and in their schools and in their cities. And so we're looking to create the resources so that more people are able to meet up yeah. with one another. Brilliant. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Kind of shifting gears. This is something we love to do yeah. around here. Let's do um, it. We love asking our guests what they're loving. So it could be like a book or a TV show or um, a piece of clothes, like anything that you just are so obsessed with right now that you have to have people to know about. (laughs) Oh, there's so many things that I love. Um, Okay. I love, love, love. So there's a subscription. It's called ButcherBox. Have you heard of it? 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. With like grass fed beef. Yes. Yeah. So it's like every, like, so me and Lane, we do like the pork and beef box, but like, and we love meat. Like we love bacon so much, but um, (laughs) I, I was like, oh, let's try this out. Like this seems cute. And now we're like obsessed with it. Um, It's just, it takes all of the guesswork out of going to the grocery store and trying to buy the right thing but like reading labels and getting a headache like it just shows up like 11 pounds of meat just shows up at your door like every other month it's amazing I literally could gush about it all day just because I feel like we never have to go to the store and like buy meat anymore like we just it's delivered to us and it's so delicious and like I don't know. I love subscriptions. So I'm like a fan of trying any subscription that's out there. Subscription and bacon. It's like your best of both worlds. Yes, it's best of both worlds. And like if, if yes. somebody is interested in like Whole30, it's like nearly impossible to find like Whole30 approved bacon. And yet there it is in the butcher box. Yeah. I mean, you can pretty much order anything from ButcherBox and trust that it's going to be quality because I feel like meat these days is so questionable. I'm like, right? oh gosh. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't want to – now there's like a million different like oh, hormone-free, nitrate-free, all this stuff. I'm like, I just want to know that I can trust somebody to handle this. Yep. I know. I get that. So I wish that Mary Scott could have joined us because she would be geeking out right now. She's like a closet hippie and just loves uh-huh. all things like – natural and grass-fed and all these so she teaches me everything and I heard about butcher box from her so y'all would probably be best friends with your little subscriptions yes and yeah no we we are definitely trying it and Mary Scott's getting me on the butcher box train and now yeah, so are well, you so here you go it's, it's so good and right now the deal I think right now is like free breakfast sausage so I mean get on it hello hello the sausage is so good I cannot wait to try it. Okay, now I definitely have to. So, yeah. ButcherBox sponsor Butcher us. Box. Hello. Yes. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it for free. If somebody wanted to read more about you or purchase your books or read your blog or you have a lot of fun things in your shop, where can people find you online? Everything is hannahbrencher.com. So that's where the blog is, the shop, and I have links to my different books. So it's, yeah, all there on social media and on the web. Love it. Easy. Y'all can find her there, hannahbrinkley.com. And we'll link everything that we talked about today and all the books and our show notes as well so people can access those easily because I need them to get on the Hannah Brincher train with me. (laughs) This is is awesome. I love that. And I think our conversation is going to just lead so many people to freedom and aha moments. Yeah. That's exactly what we would hope around here. Love it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Teamwork makes a dream work. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we went to Africa and back with everything yeah, we talked we, about. We, we went there. So I I feel great. Thank you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think it needed to be talked about. It's one of those topics where you just don't even know where to start. So many of us don't even start at all. So today I'm thankful that Hannah was vulnerable and she spoke what she had on her heart. So hopefully you feel a little bit more met in your mess. If you've had someone in your heart this entire episode, maybe someone that's grappling with depression at this very moment, we would suggest loving them well by sending this episode to them. Maybe this is the place they find freedom. And maybe if that's you and you need that freedom and you have someone in your mind, you can share this to them directly inside the Apple Podcast app. If you're listening to this episode and consider yourself in a place of depression, and maybe you've considered some scary things, 
Mary Scott, Hannah, and I would like to remind you that there's places to go for help, incredible resources. You can start by calling a crisis hotline at 1-800-273-8255, or you can get in touch with a crisis text line by texting them the word CARE to 839-863. There's people out there ready to listen to you. It's just time to tell your story. We are carefully praying for you and whatever you're going through. You can find all that we talked about on today's episode at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. You'll find links to Hannah's books, her TED Talk, and a lot of other things that we mentioned, even ButcherBox. If you're loving today's episode and the podcast in general, we would love if you head over to iTunes and left us a review. This only takes about 15 seconds and it helps us gather feedback about the show so we know what to prepare for you next week and the weeks after. We're always so grateful to read everything you have to say. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week.